So I, uh, this series that we're in um, called Well, um, the big idea of the series is this. Are you ready? Jesus didn't come to just make good people a little bit better. You know, that's the impression that sometimes we get is that, is that we come to church and we experience Jesus. I mean, we're just good people, right? And, and Jesus is just gonna, to make our lives a little bit better and, you know, take care of us a little bit financially and, you know, and, and, and smooth out relationships. Just make us a little bit better, Lord. But that's not why Jesus came. And that's not why Jesus died. That's not why He gave His life. He didn't give His life to just make us a little bit better, just tweak us a little bit, right? He came to make sick people well. He came so that blind people, which is probably you and me, are blind in some areas in our life, so that we can see. He came to restore the broken. He came to set prisoners and set captives free. And let's be honest, we've all been a captive a time or two in our lives, right? He says, I've come to set you free. I've come to raise the dead and bring life to dead souls and dead spirits. And the Scripture tells us that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that, and that sin, the, the, the penalty of sin is eternal separation from God. And so if that is true, then all of us at some point were dead. But if we've experienced Jesus and if we've called out to Him as our Lord and Savior of our life, we've experienced His new life. He radically changes us. He, he breathes new life into us. Last week we talked about this, this idea that sometimes in life we get going the wrong direction. Right? Sometimes in life we, we start heading the wrong way and, and, and we, 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 instead of running towards God in our sin or in our shame and in our frustration, we run from God. And, and, and so last week we talked about this idea, what does it look like to turn our life around and run towards Him? This week, um, we're talking, is a really important lesson. Um, because this week we're talking about this idea of getting well. And, and one of the great reasons to get well is so that we can serve God better. Right? That's the title of this message is fit to serve. You know, the idea is this, is that God wants us to join Him, to come alongside Him in, in this work that He's doing on this earth. And, and if Jesus is Lord of your life, right? And he wants your life to serve him on this earth, then, then don't you think that just maybe that, that there are some places in our lives that we need to get well and to get fit so that we can serve him better? Right? There's a great story about a man named Joaquin Garcia. He was 69 years old and he lived in Spain. And he was a building supervisor for a water, a wastewater treatment facility. And, um, and he had been working there for quite some time. And actually he, the, 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 the community was getting ready to honor him for 20 years of service of managing this building, for loyal service in, in serving this community and, and managing this building. When they began, um, when they went to his work to do the ceremony and to present him with this pin and this award and this gift, um, he wasn't there. And so they started talking to some of the employees and they said, yeah, um, the, 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 the mayor of the town said, hey, we're, um, we're here to honor Joaquin Garcia. Um, where is he? And they said, well, we haven't seen him in a while. They said, okay, what do you mean a while? 
And everybody kind of looked at each other sheepishly. Is that how you say it? Sheepishly. And they said, well, it's been a long while. And so they started doing some research and the mayor started digging into this this thing and, and come to find out that Joaquin Garcia hadn't been to work, get this, in over six years. For six years, he had fallen through the cracks. For six years, he decided to take an extended vacation. But the thing is, is that the people at the water treatment facility thought that he was being supervised by the mayor's office, and the mayor thought that he was being supervised by the city council. And so between the city council and between him, he slipped through the cracks, and he hadn't shown up for work for six years. When they confronted Joaquin Garcia, and they said, what gives? He was just like, eh. Sorry. They took him to court and they fined him $30,000, which was one year's pay, because they felt like the city council and, and the mayor had a little bit of, of, of issue with not, you know, not supervising him well. He did get his 20 year service pin, but he also got fired. And he deservedly, you know, sh- should have been, right? Listen, if God came back today, are you ready? If, if we met the Lord today and He asked you, what have you done with this gift of new life that I've given you? How would you respond? Would you say, Lord, I'm on the job. You know, I'm serving you. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can with what you've given me. Or have you gone missing in action? Are you just drifting, doing your own thing? Jesus was talking to His disciples. If you have your notes, you can look at Matthew chapter 9 and listen to what He says. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Some of you just need to underline that because that's a good word, a good sentence. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And listen what he said to his disciples. He said this, he said, the harvest is great. I want some of you to circle that word great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers into His field. Into His fields. Here's what's cool. Are you ready? Is that you and I, we get to be the answer to Jesus' prayer right here. Isn't that amazing? is that we have the ability to open ourselves up to God by answering His prayer and going out and serving His people. Now some of you are thinking this, but Jared, I'm a hot mess. Any of you ever felt like a hot mess before? I'm, I'm a hot mess. My life, I, I am not, I can, God can't use me. Here's the beautiful thing, right? Is that yes, we want to get fit to serve, but the beautiful thing is this, is that you'll find out that as you serve, God does His good work in you. And He makes you well. And He makes you fit. That there is this life change that takes place as we open up our lives to God and begin to use our gifts for Him. God uses our service to make us healthier, to help us to grow to make us more like Him. Now some of you are thinking, well, Jared, how does that happen? I'm glad you asked. Because there's just a few things. Are you ready? The first one is this. Is that as we serve, one of the things that we do is that we realize 
that God has invested something in all of us. We realize that God has invested something in us. Have you ever had someone invest something in you? Like invest time, a, a boss that said, hey, I'm going to train you. Or a friend who spent time with you and said, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to teach you how to play an instrument. I'm going to teach you how to work on a car. I'm going to teach you how to do this. Maybe it was your dad or a coworker or, or a boss or an employer. And they invest in you and they say, I, when, when someone invests in you, they look at you and they say, I believe in you. I believe you have what it takes to do what I can do. I mean, that is a great feeling when you realize that someone has entrusted something of themselves in you. And that's what God has done for every single one of us. Look at the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Read it with me. Are you ready? It says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Now, now how many of us does it say? It says, all, all of you. Together are Christ's body. All of us combined. We make up the body of Christ. And each of us are a part of it. And we have been gifts, given gifts and talents and abilities to use for His kingdom. That, that's what we're talking about here. The first thing is this, is that Jesus gives us talents. How many of you realize that you have a talent? All of you should be raising your hand. Let's try this again. Everybody raise your hand. Are you ready? I'm watching. If you're raising your hand, you have a talent. A talent is, is you say, well, well I, don't, I don't, I don't know. No, we all have talents. We just, we just don't realize that God can use our talents. Three years ago, we remodeled this building. And a lot of you had a part to play in the process of turning this into a house with a wall here and really nasty carpet and really ugly paint and, and a bedroom here and, and the cabinets were, were like some like funky, like brown that had been faded and greasy looking. And, and, and every single person in the church at the time gave their time and issue, their, their talents to make it look like this. You did this. And I got to be a part of it. My job was finding out if, if, um, if plugs were hot or not. Because it seems like everyone I touched, I got shocked. It was so, and, and, and that next Christmas, Dave Miller bought me a little, uh, little plug tester that I could stick in to, so he said, I never want you to get shocked again. You just stick it in the hole and if it beeps, you know it's hot. I don't have that ability. My hands were not made for remodeling things. But it's an ability, it's an, a talent that God has given. Some of you, it's not in your hands, it's in your voices. Some of you, it's, it's in your patience. We all have talents. And whatever your talent is, making cookies, whatever it is, God wants you to use it for His glory. Here's another thing, is God gives us spiritual gifts. The thing about spiritual gifts is sometimes God takes a natural talent that we have and He enhances it for His kingdom. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Scripture says that God's Spirit comes and resides within you. And with His Spirit comes His power and special gifts and abilities that He's granted you. And sometimes those gifts are, are, are the enhancing of a natural talent that we have. But sometimes it's talents, or it's abilities that we never knew that we had. I had a friend who, um, when he became a follower of Jesus, God put a burden on his heart for men's ministry. His name's Cody Bobe. And I was talking to him about his speaking because God started giving opportunities for him to speak to men. And he said, Jared, 
I hated public speaking, and I, and I still do, and I don't think I'm very good at it, but as he became a follower of Jesus, God started giving him opportunities, and as he used his gifts, he still felt like he wasn't very good, but God started using what he had to impact men's lives. And just yesterday, Saturday morning, he held a, an online men's gathering that had over a thousand men there that was listening to him speak and share about the Word of God and how we can be men of God that make a difference in our families and in our community. It wasn't something that he thought he had the giftedness to do, but when he became a follower of Jesus, God enhanced that inside of him. It was a gift. Jesus gives us opportunities. All around us, we have opportunities. We don't know what to do with them, but they're around us. They're everywhere. If you go back to that text, Jesus says, look, the harvest is what? What's he say? Great. The harvest is great. It's all around us. It's ripe for the picking everywhere. God has prepared people around you to minister to them. We just have to recognize it. Jesus gives us influence. Every single one of us has influence in this room with people that God's placed in our lives. And as we begin to serve, we begin to see it. Youth and children, some of you volunteer in the children's ministry and the youth ministry, that's a place of influence that God has given you to make a difference in a young life. At your work, with your family, all you have to do is just see it and begin to recognize it and allow God the ability to use it. Here's the last thing, this is the best, is that Jesus gives you his power. His power. You see, when you step up and you begin to serve, one of the things that you begin to realize is that it's not about you. It's about God in you and what God can do through you. Remember the guy named Moses in the Old Testament? God sent him to free his people from Pharaoh's hand. Moses has run from Egypt and he's living in the wilderness and God appears to him a burning bush and he says, hey, Moses... I want you to go back to the land that you're wanted in. And I want you to go before Pharaoh. And, and, and I want you on my behalf to tell him to let my people go. And what does Moses say? No, 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 no. No way, God. Get somebody else. I can't do this. And what does God say? God says, you know what, Moses? You're right. You can't do it. And you're going to perform some miracles on my behalf. But even with the great things that you do, Pharaoh still not going to let my people go unless I stretch out my mighty hand. He says, Moses, it's not what you have, but it's, it's me inside of you that can make you do some miracles on my behalf. Amen? This isn't about me. And it's not about you. It's about making yourself available to the power of God inside of you. Philippians 3.16. I think that's what it is. Or 4. No, Philippians 4.13. Are you ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's the second thought. Is that the reason we get well when we serve is we begin to face fear and let go of excuses that are robbing you of your significance. We begin to face fear, let go of excuses that are robbing you of your opportunity and your significance. You see, 
the big part or a big part of our unhealthiness is the fear of what it will take to get well. Right? It's the fear of what God may ask us to do on His behalf. And we say, no, no, God, I I can't do that. You want me to do what? I'm not that good. I don't have that ability. I am weak. I am, I am afraid. I don't have it inside of me to achieve these things that you're asking me to do. It's fear. It's also fear of what we may have to give up. God wants me to let go of what? Are you serious, Lord? Yes. Does that sound familiar to anybody? A good friend of mine in Oklahoma, his name is Ron Young. Ron became a believer very, very late in life. A good friend of mine met him in the Sprint store. Um, he was the manager of a Sprint store in Norman, Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City. Boomer Sooner, good win yesterday. And, um, and Ron would come in. Ron was in his late 60s and early 70s. And he would come in and he would talk. His name was Bubba. He would talk to Bubba. Um, that's a good Oklahoma name, right? And uh, he would talk to Bubba, and he would say, "Hey, Bubba, I'm, I don't, this phone, you fix it for me." You know, he was just, "I don't, I don't mess with it. I just need it to do these certain things." And so he would come in quite often and just say, "Hey, Bubba, help me fix my phone." And uh, Bubba would work on his phone, tweak on it, and then it would be good to go. It was an iPhone. And um, Ron um, started coming. Bubba invited him to church, and so he started coming. He and his wife Patty started coming to church with us. Uh, to our church, and absolutely amazing guy. Um, he owns some land south of Oklahoma City, south of Norman, about 45 minutes, and had deer and turkey and all hot wild hogs and stuff on it and lots of fishing ponds. And he invited me out to come fishing and hunting. And It's like you had me at, hello, you're my new best friend, right? You know, Ron, Ron and Patty became dear, dear friends to Haley and I. Just wonderful, wonderful people. They were my, my go-to outdoors people, right? Ron invited me to go on an elk hunting trip with him to New Mexico. Like once in a lifetime opportunity for a guy like me. I mean, he was my hero. But Ron struggled. He struggled with the fact that he came to know the Lord late in life. And he had lived quite a hard life for 60 plus years. And he thought, God, God can't use me. I mean, I want to be used by God, but when you look at the life that I lived, what can God do with me? I remember talking to Ron once. I said, Ron, what do you think? What do you think God's asking you to do? I mean, you're struggling with this, with who you are and all this stuff. Just tell me what you're thinking. He says, man, Jared, I've been blessed with so much. I just want to use it for God's glory. I have this land. I have these ponds. I have this place. And I I just want God. He said, I don't think I'll ever speak in front of people like you do. He says, but but I have so much that I just want to give it back to God. I said, Ron, that's all God asks. We started doing men's events on his property. We called them steak and trap shoot nights. And men would come out and we'd shoot trap with our shotguns and then we'd go eat big fat ribeye steaks and sit about in the fire and grunt. And then we'd have a guy, a Christian guy, come and, and share about the Lord and share about hunting and share about Jesus. And, and the first time we did it, we had like 50 men show up. And that night was over, I looked at Ron and I said, Ron, this is all you, bro. This is all you. And then they started hosting women's events where the women would come out and sit around. They wouldn't shoot the trap, but they'd come out and 
sit around the fire and talk and with his wife and, 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 and then I started taking Christian kids uh, or, or it, just kids from my youth group that were struggling and we'd go out on Saturdays and fish in his ponds and shoot rifles and he had a little shooting range and, and, and it was amazing. I said, Ron, these lives that are being touched, it's all because of you. Because of you getting over that fear of, of not being used by God or, or that you weren't good enough or that you didn't have what it takes. It's all because of you. It's a story of Gideon and Judges. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. Gideon's a fearful man threshing wheat in a well because he's afraid of the Midianites who are, who are rampaging God's people. And God sends an angel to Gideon. And he says, the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. What does Gideon say? He says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. And then the Lord said to him, say it with me. I will be with you. I will be with you. And he was. And he rescued God's people because the power of God, the miracles of God that were performed through him. See, some of us wait until the fear goes away before we take a step of faith. But you don't overcome fear by waiting until the fear goes away. You overcome fear by acting in spite of it. Amen? See, not only do we have to get over fear, but we have to let go of excuses. Anybody like me good at coming up with excuses? Yeah, I'm the king of them. Good at it. I saw a meme this couple of weeks ago on Facebook that said, blah, 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 go work out. <laughs> I was like, that's for me. Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear it all. Uh, go work out. Yeah. We have to make ourselves stronger than our excuses. God, are you ready? Has a plan and a purpose for you. Don't let your excuses get in the way from the significance that God has placed in your life. Here's a third thought. Why we get well, why we serve, is that because when we don't serve, we're the ones that suffer the most. When we don't serve, we're the ones that suffer the most. Proverbs 12, uh, 21, 25 says this. Read it with me. Are you ready? Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin. For their hands refuse to work. A lot of people say, I want to do this. I want to achieve this. I want to have this happen. I wish this would happen in my life. But they won't. Why? Because they're not doing anything about it. The difference between a wish and a goal is a plan. And wishes don't make things happen. God uses us. Miracles make things happen. But plans make things happen too. There's some things that will happen when we don't serve. Are you ready? We develop attitudes that become self-defeating. Laziness creates this attitude in us that sucks the life out of us. It puts us in a cycle of defeat. And we believe that we can't work through us because of the laziness and the attitude that becomes self-defeating. We develop habits that are hard to break. 
had a coach in high school who used to say in practice, he says, no, 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 don't make any mistake. Practice, how many of you have heard the saying that practice makes perfect? Anybody heard that? It doesn't. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect, right? If you practice bad, you're going to play what? Bad. Practice doesn't make perfect. And so my coach, he would be honest. And he would smack us in the back of the head. He would say, get your butt low. Drive off the ball. Stop lollygagging. And he would kick us around that field. You could do that back when I was in high school. You can't do it anymore in football. But he would just slap us around that field. Be perfect. Stop being lazy. Because if you're lazy in practice, you're going to be what? Lazy in games. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. And those habits that we develop are hard to break. I was reading some, some, some online about habits. And, and some people say that, that it takes 21 days to start a new habit. It, it, some studies say that it takes anywhere from 167 to 300 days to break a bad habit. It's hard to break bad habits. And you know the number one key to breaking a bad habit is starting a good one. That's how you break bad habits, is by starting good habits. Habits, man, they're hard to break. Here's a third thing. This one's even more dangerous, is that we develop a reputation that's hard to overcome. How you are known follows you. And my pastor say to me once, Jared, the best predictor of future success is past success. It's one of the best. It's not the only one. But it's one of the best. And so when he's hiring somebody for a position, you know, he's like, Jared, when you hire somebody for a position, as you become a senior pastor one day, look about their past and how they've served and how they were faithful. He says, call their references. Don't be lazy. He says, don't just call their references because people only put good things on their, their, their resumes, right? He says, call those other people also that you know they're a part of their lives and ask those tough questions about who they are and what they've done. Because what they've done is a good indication of what they will do. When people see us as lazy, or or they see us as just people who are takers, they just take, 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 take. They say things like, this person has so much potential, but they just don't want to get involved anywhere. That affects how other people see us. Your reputation matters to you, and it matters to the Lord, because we also represent Him. Amen? It follows you. And it can hurt you along the way. Here's the last one. I think this is the most important. Are you ready? Is that one of the things that we discover is that we serve? Is serving is more than just an act of work. See, some of us, we're just like, ah, it's just work, 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 work. It's also an act of worship. Serving teaches us that our lives are not about us. They're about Him. They're about God. Paul writes in Colossians 3.23, he says, work hard and cheerfully at all you do. Read it with me. Just as though you were working for the Lord. Why? Because you are. That's why. That's why you act as if you're working for the Lord. Because you are working for the Lord. How would your life change if you approached 
everything in your life with this mindset. That I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for God. That I'm not just doing it for my family. I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm not just doing this for my company, right? I'm doing this for God. I'm not just doing this for one community church. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm not just doing this because my really cool pastor asked me to. I'm doing it because I'm doing it for God. I'm not even doing this for my own health and well-being or for my family. I'm also doing it for my Savior. That's what Paul says. As if we're doing it for the Lord because we are. That's when our serving, that's when our life becomes worship. Every opportunity. Are you ready? I think I put this in your notes. Every opportunity is a gift to us from God. And every act of service is our praise. It's our worship. Have you ever, Sarah, don't nod. Have you ever come into church and see someone singing and they look like this, blah, 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 or they pull out their phone, blah, 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 while, they're, while worship's going on? It's going on around them, but it's not going on in them. That is, that's what we're supposed to do when we work, is to allow it in us and through us as we worship God. Instead of looking at it as a mission field, look at it as a calling from the Most High God. It's not just filling time. It's not just giving. It's not just enduring and, and using. But it's about praising our Heavenly Father. That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Isabella Dryden. If you've never anybody heard that name before, Isabella Dryden, um, when she was in the first grade, you need to write that name down, D-R-Y-D-E-N, and read about her story. When she was in the seventh grade, she did a project in class. And um, that, did I say seg- seventh? It was the first grade, when she was in the first grade. She did a seven years old, and she was in first grade. She did a project in class, and her teacher gave her um, a cup and a saucer as as a reward for doing such a really good job. And, and it just struck a nerve inside of her. I mean, it was just like one of those moments where it, even as a seven-year-old, she was just like, ha, ah, this is amazing that this teacher sees me and wants to reward me. And, and all of a sudden, in that moment, that stuck with her. And she decided at seven years old that she wanted to be a teacher for the rest of her life. And she is. Today, she is 101 years old. 83 years she has been a teacher. Today, are you get this? Get this. Today, she's a volunteer teacher teaching computers to senior adults. At a, how many of you look at a computer and you're just like, no, 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 no. 101 years old teaching computers to senior adults. This is what she said. She said, God, God made me like that. At the end of the article that I read, she said, she said, I never saw teaching as a job. It was a calling. It was a gift. I never dreamt, dreamed, dreamt, that I would be able to do it as long as I have, but I wanted to do, I want to do the best I can. 
And can I just say that that, that is sweet worship. That's worshiping God. Here's the thing. Is that, is that until you find that one thing, just do something. Some of us are like, I, yeah, but what's that one thing that God was, I, I don't know what your one thing is. But just start by doing something. See, the beautiful part about serving is that it, we find out that in our service, that's when we really get well. Because God uses it to change our lives. God uses it to make us face some fears and some excuses that we've been living in. We begin to realize that God believes in us and He believes in you so much that He has invested something inside of you. An ability, a gift, an opportunity, a talent, a group of people for you to serve in His name. We begin to realize that that when we don't serve, we're the ones that suffer the most. We begin to realize that, and probably most importantly, that that the serving is is not about me. It's about Him. My life is about 